You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning, church family. Have you felt the division lately? Have you felt a spirit of disunity? Does it seem that everyone has an opinion, but there's no fact? Do we feel within our society and within even the body of the church a desire sometimes not to be unified in Christ, but to have our own individualistic opinion. This morning, I'd like for us to think about the true witness, because I believe that if we wish to grow in Christ, and if we wish to carry Christ to the world, then we're going to need to proclaim him. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. This is such a sublime passage, we certainly are not going to be able to cover even a small portion of what's in this passage this morning. But I want us to read the whole chapter together. Because I believe that we see in the gospel, in this first chapter of John, three aspects of witness that are important for us in the church today. The first is the witness of Christ, and then the second are witnesses about Christ. There's a witness of John the Baptist about Christ, and there's the witness about Christ by the disciples. The end of the passage. So, beginning in verse one, chapter one of. Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, It is he who comes after me, the throng of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses of the law And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, 
Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words, my mouth, and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. May we have understanding of your word today. May we rejoice in it. May it lead us into the goodly paths that you would call us to. May it bring refreshment to the saints. May it bring salvation to the lost. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. It's critical as we think about witness, I think, this morning and the aspects of witness for us to understand the witness that's given first in the the chapter one. The first witness that we see here is the witness of Christ. The second witness that we see is the witness that is given by John the Baptist. And then the third witness that we see given is is the truth, the witness, the words that the disciples say about the nature of Christ. The first witness, of course, is eternal because that's what God has given to us. That's what he has revealed to us of the Son. The second two witnesses are about Jesus, but they come through individuals, through people who, uh, whom God has touched and brought to life. And as we consider the witness of Christ, I'd like for us to think this morning that this is a witness that is self-existent. It says in verse 1, in the beginning... Before creation was, uh, God was, and Christ existed then. The was here, the verb that's used, is a verb that is uh, stating a uh, continuous existence. It has no beginning. It has no end in the sense that, that it's used in the gospel. It's not existence that Uh, came into being but that was already existing that's so different from our own temporal existence isn't it the existence of Christ that was eternally or that has eternally existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit and secondly this witness of Christ is a witness of Christ who is in intimate discourse and communion in the Godhead fully equal to each other. It says that the word was with God. It's a picture of face-to-face discussion, face-to-face existence. His deity is exemplified by the creation that Christ does. And that creation is, I think, best expressed in the picture that we see in light and life in this testimony of who Christ is. Christ brings spiritual life to those who are dark. Jesus is being. He's not becoming as you and I are, but he is being that has always been. 
We are becoming, but God has always been. Acts 17.28 gives us an insight into this picture of Jesus. It says, in him we live and move and have our being. See, that's the power of Christ in, in light and life working in us. Our existence cannot be uh, sustained without his power and his work in us. Or another gospel passage that think, speaks to this idea of light and life and the penetration of God as he moves to redeem and save. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, God says, let light shine out of darkness. Light has shone in our hearts. See, that's the work of every believer that, that he's experienced through the work of Christ, that, that God's light has shone in our hearts. And it gives, what does it do, though? It gives light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that God's work is to reveal himself through Christ. If we are to know God, we know him through the power of the Son and of his work in us. Uh, Jesus, in verse 18, has made known God who cannot be seen. It says in verse 18, once again, it calls us back to that intimate connection. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. The Son and the Father are in, are in, are, are in union together in the Trinity along with the Holy Spirit. This same Jesus has the power to make us children of God in verse 12. Jesus brings grace and truth to sin-darkened men. When we, by faith, come to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. The witness of God's people in this day and in every day, whether it be COVID or not, must be of who Jesus is. And it's easy for us to get off of that, isn't it? It's easy for us to want to provide a witness that has to do with my concern or my individuality. But if the people of God would proclaim who Jesus is to the people around them, that is this life-giving, saving message that uh, brings hope to people and that God wishes for us uh, to share. At the close of the gospel, John will state his purpose at John twenty thirty one, reader that readers may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing may have life in his name. What are we pointing people to? To our sufficiency, to our paltry ability, or are we pointing them to a Savior who is fully sufficient? For every need to a savior who reveals God in all his glory to his people to a savior who preserves us in eternity that we might be with him to a savior who calls us into communion with the father and the son and the Holy Spirit just as he is in communion with the father and the Holy Spirit secondly 
the witness that we see in chapter 1 of 1 John is a witness about Christ that's given by John the Baptist. And I think there's a very particular kind of aspect to this witness that calls us, uh, to co- that, that we're called to consider this morning. In verse 6 it says, there was a man sent from God. John comes 400 years. He appears after 400 years, the last prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, he fulfills Malachi 3.1 and 4, 5 through 6, where promises that a prophet like Elijah will come to announce the kingdom and the, and the coming king. Witness, as used here in verse 19, this is the testimony of John. Uh, is witness not to opinion, but witness to fact. It's witness in the sense of a courtroom setting. John is the first person publicly to announce the Savior in the gospel. And in the gospel of John, John is the first of eight witnesses that we'll see in the gospel. The father will witness to the son in chapter 5, verse 37. Uh, Jesus' works will witness to him in 5.36 and 10.25. The Old Testament scriptures will witness to Jesus in chapter 5, verse 39. Uh, Some who meet Jesus witness to him in chapter 4, verse 29. Or the disciples witness to Jesus in 15.27 or in 1935. And the Holy Spirit then will witness to Jesus in chapter 15, verse 26. When we think about the witness that John gives in the passage, he always points to belief in Jesus. But Jesus remains the object of belief. Isn't that a wonderful thing for us to think about? That that our witness would point people to Jesus so that he is glorified. He is uh, uh, enlarged. And uh, as John says in, in the text, behold the Lamb of God. John boldly and humbly places himself under Christ. His confession is a humble confession of one who is not worthy to tie the throng, uh, even the thongs that would uh, hold the sandal on. John boldly calls men to repentance and baptism as a sign of their repentance. In the, in the context of the times in Judaism, there would have been a baptism of Gentile converts, but there wouldn't have been, we don't believe from most commentators, a, con- a, a, a baptism of the Jews. The Jews were already considered themselves God's covenant people. But John is calling each man to repentance. He's calling men uh, to, to confess their sins uh, before God uh, and to be uh, prepared for the coming kingdom. When he's asked who he is by, 
by the religious authorities. He, he doesn't even say he's a person. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. His message comes from Isaiah uh, of the one who hearkens to the millennial kingdom and its sure promise and its certain coming. He's a picture of preparation for the kingdom that is to come. John's message is one of humility, one of confessional or repentant heart that is turning from sin. And to know God, we must come by way of Jesus. 1 John 2, 2nd through 3rd, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Our witness, like John's, should be that there is no other name given un under heaven by which we will be saved. Acts 4 to 12. Finally, the witness about Christ uh, from the disciples. One commentator has characterized the last part of this passage as seeking souls who come in faith to a seeking Savior. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's also, I think, a picture in the last part of the passage of those who come individually. Even though we may see the disciples in groups, we realize that they are coming, questioning, seeking God on an individual basis. This is a coming to God not based on religion or on tradition, but, a, re, but a, a coming to Christ based on his saving us individually, meeting our need, dealing with our sin, bringing us into fellowship with Christ. We see both the exercise of faith by the disciples, and we also see the Jesus who calls us uh, who calls all men to himself. There is a willingness, a submission by the disciples, I think, that we see pictured here. Uh, Andrew and John hear uh, John the Baptist's declaration, and they follow. But notice that Christ, in response, asks them the question, not who do you seek, but what do you seek? What we have in Jesus is he who is fully sufficient to meet every need. He calls us to examine him. He calls us to recognize that he is everything that we need for life and living. And the response of, of can we stay with you seems to suggest time, doesn't it? Discourse. It's a beautiful picture of coming to faith, isn't it, in the passage? Those who have a Savior who can answer every question, a Savior who can deal with every problem, but a willingness on the part of the disciples to bow in humble submission before the Savior uh, and seek that. That's the, that, that's the amazing thing, I think, about how God works our salvation. It's totally from God, but at the same time, he calls us to act by faith, uh, to come to him, to accept it. Jesus is completely satisfying to those who come in faith. Uh, and there's an eagerness that we see 
in this picture too, isn't there, about the witness. There's an eagerness to tell others. We see that uh, in Andrew as he seeks to uh, bring Simon uh, uh, to, uh, to meet the Savior. And we see it in somewhat in the reverse size, not that people are being brought, people are other, one person is bringing another person to Christ, much like the story we heard this morning from Tina. But we also see here a picture of Jesus who actively seeks those who are lost. He seeks out Philip, but Philip in turn finds Nathaniel. Uh, and Nathaniel, in contrast uh, uh, to uh, to his uh, to his prejudice that anything good could come out of Nazareth that Nazareth is ha, has no mention in the Old Testament uh, 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 comes to the Savior uh, to uh, to have his doubt answered. Jesus knows how to pierce the heart of men. He is the one who willingly has emptied himself and takes the form of a servant. Philippians 2.7. The peace that we seek will not be found in the opinion of the world, will it? But that peace will be found in the Christ who is fully sufficient for our needs. Finally, the passage closes with a picture of heaven and earth that are joined, not by a ladder, as in the dream of Jacob, but by a cross. By a Savior who's taken our sin upon himself and who has borne our degradation, the degradation that we deserved and the death that we deserved. Today you and I have an opportunity to rejoice in that witness. We can receive the witness of Christ who is able to save. We can receive the eagerly the witness of John the Baptist that calls us to a repentant, humble, confessionate acknowledgement of our sin before the Savior. We can seek the Savior individually, and we can seek to point others to him. What witness is on your heart this morning? What witness will you bear the world? If it's not of Christ, it's insufficient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to acknowledge our failure to provide any witness that can stand the test of time or that can reach heaven. But we want to cling to the witness of Christ our Savior who came to die for our sins. That's the witness that we want to claim this morning. That's the witness in which we seek to live. Father, we pray that our witness would be grounded in a confessional, humble acknowledgement of our sin. And I pray, Father, this morning that we would not trust in trappings or in religion or in the world's vain opinion of what makes a witness, but that we would trust only in Christ and in his fully sufficient work for us. May we by faith claim that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.